Does Paddington Bear shit in the woods? What made King Wenceslas so bloody good? I thought I'd forgotten the traumas of Answer Me This episode 303, but uh, you listeners just brought them rushing back thanks to this email from somebody who says uh, regarding your discussion of which cheeses would be best for a hand job, I believe that the best cheese is Swiss. Right. For this purpose. Specifically for this. Why? Because it's got a hole in it? For a firm cheese, it's soft. There are going to be fewer potential injuries. I can see that. Sure. And it's mild. You don't want your parts smelling of Stilton. Okay. And you definitely don't want to do it with Yarg, because Yarg is wrapped in stinging nettles. Let's not have the discussion again, no. Helen. Our correspondent says, My evidence comes from a true veteran of cheese jobs... The Swiss cheese pervert. Yeah, that sounds totally like a character from Dexter, but apparently the Swiss cheese pervert is a real man. Uh, He's a a criminal from Philadelphia. Ironically, I mean, I recommended cream cheese for this purpose. Well, that's not ironic. It's appropriate. Uh, Well, no, I suppose where he is, cream cheese is is commonplace. It comes out the taps. That's why they use it as lube. (laughs) He went for something a bit more obscure. He drives around, he approaches women on the street, and he offers them money if they will watch him jack himself off with Swiss cheese. That is a very bold opener. I don't think most women will be that thrilled by the offer. I think that's right. I think generally speaking, that's been the case and that's why the police have been involved. Mm, Um, Why are you so upset about the idea that men might get off on cheese? It's a waste of cheese. Good eating cheese. I I think that's why I'm upset about it as well. Yeah. Cheese is one of the most beautiful things in the world and it hasn't been corrupted as yet by men putting their penises in it, unlike so much. (laughs) That's a good point. Incidentally, whilst we're revisiting the culinary highlights of AMT 303, (laughs) Uh uh, thank you very much to those of you who corrected my assumption that they don't have turkey legs at Disneyland Tokyo. Apparently they do. And also thank you as well to everyone, and there were many of you, uh, who wrote in to point out it wasn't McDonald's who originated the McFlurry in Northern America. Now, I I didn't say that it was. I said, you know, around the rest of the world. implied. um, You said McDonald's are original thinkers and nobody could have had such an original idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, many of you pointing out that uh, the McFlurry essentially is a rip-off of Dairy Queen's Blizzard. Which is essentially a rip-off of mint choc chip ice cream with bigger bits. Well, we don't have Dairy Queen here in the UK, so you can forgive my ignorance there. Yeah, Um, and... Uh, we're cultural imperialists. Hi, this is Guy from Bookham in Surrey. Helen, Ollie and Martin the Soundman, answer me this. After, what is it, 25, 30 years after the phenomenon that was wash and go, why is it that that never caught on? Shampoo and conditioner in the same bottle, that's a great idea. And yet I've just got out of the shower, looked around the bathroom and my wife's covered the place in several bottles of shampoo and conditioner all separated why did why did no one ever take wash and go up on their wonderful proposition take two bottles into the shower what kind of massive idiot are you <laughs> in the 90s we did not have time for two bottles because also wasn't there um bold two in one as well it there was- still is you're talking about these things like they're in the past they are 90s marketing devices i i admit but detergent and conditioner who has time for that malarkey it's the <laughs> 90s the millennium is upon us and we're all going to die a combine lo- spent a lot of time putting on layers of flannel in the 90s there's not time for hair washing no. <laughs> um the product still exists you yes. can still buy it there are loads of two-in-one shampooing products yeah and i suppose you know inevitably an idea like that when it has novelty and a bigger marketing budget will seem like a phenomenon and then it will slowly fade away but it is very much part of the staple diet of uh, boots and Superdrug. yeah there's big pharma companies behind all of these shampoo brands right from that point of view if you have a selection of products which you are trying to shift to a pharmacy you know or to a supermarket mm. 
you can sell them shampoos, you can sell them conditioners. What better way to try and reach the men, and it was basically aimed at men, mm. who didn't want to buy a separate conditioner... Because it's embarrassing and gay. ...than to A, implant through advertising the concept that most people think nowadays you should buy both, mm. and B, offer a solution that is more expensive than just buying a bottle of shampoo, but offers the convenience of just having one bottle. So it was a twofold marketing strategy, wasn't it? It was saying to these to these men who are incredulous at the idea of buying two bottles... <laughs> Have soft hair. Yeah, saying to those no. people, look, guys, society's changed. Yeah, the acceptable thing to do nowadays is to buy shampoo and conditioner. If you don't do it, you're a bit weird. But if you insist on convenience... Here's a bottle that's actually more expensive than the shampoo you're buying. And by the way, it's from the same company. I mean, it's kind of clever. But how come Salon Selectives, which offered the opposite strategy of combining to suit your exact hair needs, Mm. um, failed when that is shifting a lot of different products? I wonder if shelf space was a factor then. Oh, maybe. So you need to hit the sweet middle. Exactly. Because, Mm. you know, if you've got a product that actually you need to see the full range to be able to choose, you're flogging fewer of each individual bottle. But nonetheless, their marketing was successful because even as you just said, the word salon selectives, I'm sure I, like most people listening, were going, when you just walked out of a salon. (laughs) So that was obviously uh, an effective piece of marketing in in the round. Hi, it's Ali. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. We've just signed our really cute baby up to be a baby model and he's been accepted. If he hits the baby model big time and starts making mega bucks, what do we do with the money? If we put it in account for him when he's older, and then we have another baby who's not such good baby model material, do we still give baby number one the money? Or what about baby number two? Then they have to be ugly and not have a nice nest egg. Please help. Well, if they are ugly, that's their fault, isn't it? (laughs) They'll have to exploit their baby earning potential another way. Uh, The truth is, I don't think big bucks really ever come from being a baby model unless you absolutely land on your feet and land a plum roll in Downton Abbey, but generally... And we're not saying your baby isn't beautiful by saying that. It's just just not as much money as you would think. Well, you know, even a day on a TV show, because that's all it normally is, pays like 300 quid, which is good, isn't it? But it's not going to be nest egg for their university tuition. Um, no. You need to be in a series that returns every week and you're a major character. So it's yeah. very unlikely. Preferably more than 100 episodes. I mean, look how rich the Olsen twins are now. Yeah. But there are two of them, so they could work longer hours because you could they just switch one in. They were in um, a sitcom called Full House in the States and they played the same person. They were multi-squillionaires by the time they were in their teens. But I have sought the intel of our friends Amy and Sam, whose baby Pepper did a bit of modelling for Tesco's. Wow, and, uh, they that's said, a big gig. Yeah. I bet it's still only about 200 quid. Yeah, probably. And um, they said that legally the money has to go to the baby. Oh, really? So you can't even split it if you want to. And uh, they also recommend the junior ISA at Halifax, where it's a uh, 6% interest. Wow. <laughs> that's very useful advice. Uh, I'm really quite surprised that they need so many new babies to advertise things. Why not just use stock shots? It is a baby. Or, or just plastic babies. But I mean... Or a know, turnip wrapped one, up in a towel. I appreciate that, you know, the quality of uh, film has developed pardon the pun over the last sort of 10 15 years mm-hmm. so you know now you want a baby in hd uh, maybe now you want a baby or, or babies on your books with a range of different ethnicities like you didn't need perhaps 20 years ago and all of that nonetheless nonetheless surely by now they have a shot of every possible baby that you just think well why not use the same one why well, don't you take a new picture of a smiling baby in a white town they all look the same well they're wearing different clothes they're modeling different Are products they? yes you, you need them reaching towards like a prawn dip or something your specific product <laughs> product that you're advertising <laughs> But do you? Because I mean, they, gen- they do all that in post. But generally, couldn't you do that anyway with modelling? 
you could just get one stock model to model everything, then superimpose different people's heads on there. Oh, like Airbr- clueless. Airbrush the model so that they don't always look like the same race. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you, you would save a lot of money. I but- suspect that what we've learned here is that uh, models are cheaper than good designers. And also, I think what we're learning is that the aesthetics of each era vary a bit. So what is considered beautiful in a baby now might mm. not have been the same as... Uh, 10 years ago that's maybe why uh, Calvin Klein have just unleashed their real plus size model did you see that oh what a heifer <laughs> curvy voluptuous size 8 model oh, oh she must be busting out of those 20 inch waist jeans <laughs> well here's a question from Katie who says I always get Barry Manilow and Rod Stewart confused uh, so Helen answer me this is there an easy way to remember which one is which an easy way well one of them is American and, that's true and one of them is Rod Stewart. Yeah, now I, I was just thinking nationality-wise, is he Scottish or does he just play up the Scottishness because that's kind of cool? He has a Scottish parent, but I believe he was largely raised in England. God, he really goes with it, doesn't he, with the kilt and everything. I think, and, and that's quite useful. You think of Rod Stewart, you think of the kilt. Think of Barry Manilow, that's Horrible very American. Horrible facelift. Rod Stewart as well, blonde mullet and Barry Manilow, kind of maroon halo. Rod Stewart has had uh, many women and children. Yes. In different senses of the verb. Uh, whereas Barry Manilow, very coy on the subject of his romantic and sexual life. That's a very pr- politically correct way of putting it, Helen. Well, and I, also not at all litigious. Well I, done. I cannot confirm or deny what Barry Manilow has been uh, doing with his man Elo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the way to remember them is Rod Stewart saying, if you want my body and you think I'm sexy. And yes. Barry Manilow did Copacabana. And yeah, quite different, yeah. yeah. Also, the environment in which I would like to meet them, and I would quite like to meet both men. You could uh, play with Rod Stewart's train set, which is apparently very comprehensive. Well, exactly. That's kind of why I'd like to meet Rod Stewart, is because he and Elton John both, actually, mm. they're mates, aren't they, seem like guys who, because they came from relatively not very well-off backgrounds in the UK, uh, then when they made lots of money, really enjoyed it and continue mm. to enjoy it and appreciate it. Whereas Manilow, yep. I think he's going to be spoiled but not really enjoy the fact that he's obviously very wealthy. Yes, yeah, so I can imagine him being kind of clueless, but not in as fun a, a fantasy way yeah. as Rod Stewart or Elton John. I'd want to meet them in very different places. Where? Uh, at the Copa, <laughs> Copa Cabana. Don't confuse things. Uh, Rod Stewart, I would like to meet at a nightclub after a few drinks, and there's not many people I put in that category, because usually the conversations you have at nightclubs when you can't really hear each other over the music, and you've had a few drinks, so people are nonsensical and self-satisfied. I cannot recognise the situation. Um, but Rod Stewart, I think, is a fun person to meet in a VIP lounge with a girl on each arm because he's he's fun he's he's self-aware and you don't have to hear him sing Manilow he's quite a passable singer actually oh yeah no absolutely no I don't he's more gruff as well Manilow is more smooth but still I wouldn't want to hear him sing his actual music that's my point but came through kind of British R&B so he probably knows some old classics yeah 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 I'm not dissing his talent. I'm just saying I wouldn't want to go to a Rod Stewart concert. Yeah. However, as you know, I've been to a Barry Manilow concert. Yeah. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Manilow. That makes me really date your judgment. Manilow, yeah. I would like to meet choices. in an almost completely different environment. Manilow, I would like to meet daytime uh, at the Savoy. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm having afternoon tea. Mm-hmm. He's sitting in a pink throne and he's got a piano at his fingertips, so that whenever he wants to, he can just start launching into "Could It Be Magic." But like in a way, <laughs> you know, when weird, this is a really weird bit of fanfic. He reaches over and touches my crotch. <laughs> no, but you know, you know when um, musicians are interviewed sometimes and they'll do it sitting at the piano, so they can go, I don't know how I came up with Could It Be Magic, but I just sort of started playing around and then they'll start playing the piano. So you want it to be sort of like an episode of Later with Jules, but with just just me and him and a lot of Earl Grey, yeah, yeah. Whereas Rod, I'd be, I'd you know, I'd prefer the Swiss cheese pervert to be there when Rod was there than when Manilow was there. Is that because you feel threatened by Rod Stewart's raging heterosexuality, whereas Barry Manilow, you feel a lot more aligned with? No, it's because Rod Stewart 
I don't even have to answer that question. <laughs> if you got a question, got a question, email your question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. It's great, it's great. Here's a question from an anonymous woman in South London who says, I've just texted my ex and immediately regretted it. We've all been there. I regret texting your ex so much because <laughs> uh, I was abroad and it cost me a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, Ollie, answer me this, please. Is there any way to cancel a text while it's in transit? What would have happened if I'd turned the phone off as soon as I hit send? Would it have just sent part of the message, which could have been even worse, depending on which part had been sent in isolation? I want to know what this text said now. Would the context of one bit made a radical difference if the other bit had not sent yeah i presume if it's her ex that it was something inappropriately sexualized and she regretted that she'd brought that up or inappropriately uh emotional yeah. maybe angry or maybe yeah. begging yeah, yeah any yeah. of these scenarios aren't very good are they? this is why good. you shouldn't text your ex at all and you should remove their number from your phone or store it under like a very odd contact that you probably can't this remember is why you can never be friends after you've gone out with each other that's yeah. it you've ruined it forever no it's not that it's just that you shouldn't have any contact for a while so that you can both get over it and rebuild your existences and then return to each other as friends without yes. wounds so you have to wait for both of you to have a partner for that to happen no but i think you have to wait a, a few months at least i think it's six months at least yeah because i think after two months you're it's still Too habitual raw. yeah and familiar isn't it too much danger you, you'll yeah. fall back into bed i think that's right anyway um i mean the answer to the question is if you turned off your phone whilst your text was in transit mm. it's 50 50 it's true that if the message hadn't yet reached your network from mm -hmm. your phone uh, then when you turn your phone on it would continue to try and do it yes. it wouldn't send half of it but it would still send when yeah. you send, turn your phone on. So what you need to do, actually, if you've got a smartphone, is go into airplane mode as soon as possible, as soon as you realise. Okay. You've got a small chance that it won't send in that time. Go to airplane mode. Mm. Uh, and then if your phone doesn't have the option to delete a text message, unfortunately, you will have to wipe your phone of all data. <laughs> but it is worth it if you are that bothered. Um, wipe your phone of all data, turn it back on again and reinstall and then it won't have sent a text. Mm. There's an easier way. Yeah. Is it having my phone, which only sends and receives a, a small percentage of texts because it's old and shit? Yeah, my phone kind of does. My phone doesn't do MMS at all. So if I'm sending someone a funny picture, they never get it. And for oh. some reason, I insist on sending them rather like people who text dead people just to make right. me feel good, even though I know they're not going to get it. Couldn't you just email them? Yeah, could. But I want to <laughs> MMS it, so I keep trying, even though I know it won't work. I prefer the old ways. <laughs> I do prefer the old ways. I want to, I want to fax it to them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I texted my friend who's in Valencia at the moment, a feature from the Sunday Times about things to do in Valencia, knowing it wouldn't go through. Just because I thought, well, I spotted that and I'd like to send it to Maybe him. Maybe you've always secretly preferred one-sided relationships. Um, anyway, the, the easier way is there is an app, which, you know that of thing on, on Gmail, where you can have a little widget installed, which is called Undo. Yes, and I've got Undo. It's Very good, good, isn't it? Very good. When you send an email, actually what it does is it doesn't send the email for, I think, seven seconds after no, you press send. No, it's longer send. now. It's good. So what? you then have that window after you've pressed send, just in case you go, oh shit, I can't send that. And I do that about once a week. So anyway, the app is called Cancel SMS. Okay. Uh, and is it does the same thing. There's a delay of one minute before all oh. your texts get sent. So you've got a minute to delete it. I think you're just going to have to delete any number that is a risk, though, until you're emotionally stable enough to be trusted with text messaging. Yeah. Although the thing about texts is they are more considered. So she says, oh, I regretted uh, it immediately once I sent it. It's not like something you just say, is it? You yeah. look at the words written down and then you press send. I don't think they're that considered, though. I think even emails aren't, because we get some quite long emails to answer me this, where... 
someone clearly hasn't read back because they don't make any linguistic mm. sense at all. I quite like those. It's like we've had an email from James Joyce. <laughs> uh, Luckily not as long Here's an email from Andrea from Boston Home of the bean and the cod we, We've got our own cod here Andrea And we've got beans Did you see the Boston bean when you were briefly in Boston? No It's a, it's a, a toy bean I think it might have a little hat It's not a very cute toy because it's a brown bean with a face I'm sorry I missed that Is it like a baked bean? Yeah it's like a baked bean Some of them are really large as well You can get a giant plush brown bean with a face how did it happen that a, a town of such history and lineage with harvard in it ends up with a baked bean as its mascot well people would argue that harvard is in cambridge and oh, there come isn't on. the cambridge yeah. cod or the cambridge bean yeah but americans travel five hours to go to a local restaurant surely that's local <laughs> for them oh. anyway she says here is a question of facebook manners great a long-time business associate of my husband's whom we've become friends with over the years has recently finalized a very painful divorce which he didn't want nor initiate at his request, my husband asked me to unfriend his ex-wife because of the hurt she has caused him. While I never heard her side of the story, since she and I were only superficial acquaintances, I didn't think it was worth arguing about. Mm -hmm. It was important enough to my husband's friend to ask that we did this, so I complied. Yep, that sounds like the right decision so far. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a satisfied person though, does it? So I complied. That's never the way that you really feel uh, 100% behind any decision. Yeah, but I don't feel like there was a great pull to do the other thing. Do you? Well, let's find out. Yes, let's. This is what's been playing on her mind. Helen, answer me this. Should I have dropped her a brief message first explaining why I was unfriending her? No. No, no that would never go well. How about a really long one, though? <laughs> yeah, just list all of her faults. My first instinct, she says, was to do so out of courtesy. Just to make more pain for this woman who's just had an unpleasant divorce. Yeah, but the more I thought about it, well done, Andrea, using that brain of yours, the more I leaned towards a stealth unfriending. Right. Why stir up any more dirt between the former couple? So I just cut the cord. Yes, you did the least bad thing. I think that exactly that's right. The least bad thing. All the options are bad, but none of it's your fault. It's her fault. So just deal with it. I was unfriended by a couple that we know when uh, we had a friend breakup. Mm -hmm. A few months later, I noted they had unfriended me. Mm -hmm. But if they'd sent me a message doing it, I think that would have been much worse because I understood when they did it, yes. why they had done it, because yes. we were no longer friends. Now, but actually you raise an interesting point because I don't know if, I know the friends you're talking about you do. and I don't know if they're still friends of mine on Facebook. I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they maybe. aren't. Um, but it would be weird for me to unfriend them because I wasn't part of that conversation directly. So Indeed. in the same way, I can identify with her situation here. You know, this woman has done nothing wrong to you personally. Yes. You've just heard bad shit about her and that's difficult. Also, your obligation, Andrea, is really to your husband first and his friend second. If this woman is not of equal obligation to her now ex-husband, I don't think you need to worry. If you were, if you were as good friends with her as you were with him, then it would be a problem. But yes, this exactly, way, yeah. you're making... You're making his life less hard. And also, sometimes I think someone's unfriended me and actually they've just deleted their Facebook account. She yeah. could think that. But although social networks are fun and we're at facebook.com slash answer me this, remember, fun there. friendships are best built in real life, aren't they? I mean, this is all just a know. reflection of real life relationships. And if in your heart of heart you know she won't really give a shit, then she won't give a shit. Doesn't change just because it's on the internet. Uh, I'm friends with someone on Facebook who said that she's... 
having to delete friends because she's reaching the Facebook cap on friends. Well, then she's not she's not friending people properly because no one has that many friends in life, so she needs to call. Why would you be friends with like a thousand plus people? Yeah, a thousand is the number. I think anyone because I've got about three hundred. I think it is three hundred and thirty. I've I, got. I've got about five hundred, but I've had a lot of jobs in my time. Yeah. Well. Okay. So you have a slightly looser definition of friend. They're people that you've had a fun relationship with in a workplace, but you don't yeah. necessarily know as a friend. Or people I used to go to school with. But that's still people you've met. Yes. Um, yes. I think. When it's beyond a thousand, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like when it's beyond a thousand, you can't have that many friends or associates. No, so they're not people you know. You're so you're not treating them like Twitter. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or when LinkedIn. These... Yes. Do not oh. treat Facebook like LinkedIn. Yeah. If the world becomes LinkedIn, it'll just be oh. a barrel of cunts, won't we? Boring. <laughs> huh? Think about that. Right. It is time for uh, this episode's intermission, uh, and as last time, we are directing your attention, folks, to the Answer Me This Christmas album. Available at answermethisstore.com. <laughs> Apparently, reindeer's noses are very hospitable to germs because they have a lot of moist folds. Yeah. And so the scientific explanation for the red nose would be that Rudolph is suffering from a respiratory infection. Right. Is but that, then he shouldn't be working, should he? He shouldn't. But he you, should be lying down. Yeah, but he's a performer, isn't he? He's not going to take Christmas Day off. Well, it's his big day. Yeah, exactly. Probably he'll get back home Boxing Day morning. He'll oh, be, he'll feel it. He'll oh, he'll out. feel it really bad. <laughs> It'll all hit him then. The Answer Me This Christmas album there, available from answermethisstore.com, on which point Vicky emails us to say, you mentioned that now is a good time to listen to Answer Me This Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we mentioned that. Uh, I've already listened to the album this year. You're the best, Vicky. I, I like the, the, the use of the this year there, suggests that it's an annual listen. You know, like Muppet Christmas Carol will be part of people's routine. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and I was caught listening to it in October by my eye-rolling dad, uh, who likes to confine Christmas to just one day. Fourth of May. Uh, So Helen, answer me this When is it acceptable to start listening to Christmas music Watching Christmas films And indeed listening to the Answer Me This Christmas album I'm one of those sad Christmas fans Who is already planning their craft project For Christmas 2015 I think that's quite nice Vicky And I wish I still had that amount of Christmas spirit in me To keep me going through the year My problem For for one second I thought you were going to deadpan I wish it could be Christmas every day but you didn't well, I feel like it would be diminishing returns pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, everything would be shut. <laughs> but if I start listening to Christmas music in October, and Vicky, the urge has gripped me, I'm too over it by December. Yes. I cannot peak too early, so I have to wait until December. And even if I hear a shop playing Christmas music mid-November, I think, save it till December. Except mm. in the Christmas department. I think it would be yes, weird to yes. go into the Christmas department of Liberty or Harrods and for them to be playing uh, in the summertime. When the, that would be <laughs> We're weird. We're going to Ibiza. <laughs> well, yeah. I think you expect it there because that's a, essentially a theme park, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I in don't boots, want to run out. it's December the 1st. Yeah, and the people in Paper Chase, they're going to be ever so worn down by it by the time Advent actually hits. Now, here's the thing that I've noticed this year. Ooh. I was in Debenhams for longer than the loop of their four songs. Uh, which suggested to me that Debenhams don't think you should be in there for longer than 15 minutes. That's interesting. Um, and one of them was just the orchestral instrumental section from the Frog Chorus. Ooh. And then I was watching one of those uh, sort of MTV playlists, you know, the 50 best Christmas songs of all time, hosted by Noddy Holder. He only has to work for one month a year, doesn't he? And um, <laughs> He really planned ahead. It had the frog chorus in it. Yes. And I thought, hold on, what? The, when? What, what happened? What? what? As a child, I remember the frog chorus being a Christmas thing. Then 28 years went by with no one mentioning the frog chorus at Christmas time. And suddenly it seems to be a Christmas thing again. Huh. What the fuck? Maybe they're re-releasing the frog. What was it from? 
Uh, I think it was from a sort of one-off half-hour Christmas special or something. Maybe that's on DVD again or something. Maybe it is something like that. We were in a Chinese buffet in Wolverhampton. Nothing more Christmassy than that. Well, hardly, because on their loop, and I think the loop was half an hour long, it it included Last Christmas by Wham Mm. and a cover of Last Christmas by Wham by a band that sounded like the Beatles. Weird. Yes. And there were four versions of Jingle Bells. Like a straight version, a French version, like a reggae version where the timing changed, yeah. and then like a rock and roll version. And then a lot of things done by very high-pitched children's choirs. And children's choirs is a thing that I never care for in songs, particularly Christmas songs. Creepy. Uh, um, Creepy. Creepy. In, in Don't Let the Bells End, it's quite funny though, isn't it? The only time. But I would still be happy without them being there. Mm, they are saying Bell's End. Yeah, but that's it's the only reason it's acceptable is because they're saying Bell End. When it comes to Christmas films, however, uh-huh. I would draw the distinction thusly. Okay. Um, if the film has the word Santa or Christmas in its title, or its title character is Santa, like in Miracle on 34th Street... Mm-hmm. It's only acceptable to watch it in December yes. or the first week of January. Mm-hmm. However... But then in the first week of January, you often don't feel like it. Oh, sure. Yeah. But it would still be acceptable. I wouldn't yep. throw you out of my house. Thanks. Um, the Christmas tree seal up. Yeah, but you're sick of it. But there are some films that are essentially Christmas films. They were released at Christmas. They're set at Christmas. But they haven't got Christmas or Santa in the, yep. in the title. And they don't feature Santa Claus as a character. I'm yeah. thinking here Home Alone, Die Hard, yeah. Gremlins. Mm-hmm. They're best watched at Christmas. But it's not like Christmas Vacation where you have to watch it at Christmas. Love Actually. Love Actually, another great example. As ITV3, as it proves, you can watch it every you... day between uh, Brian Dowling hosting Roulette. <laughs> I love the films that you associate, associate with Christmas, uh, not Christmassy, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, because I was on it like every Christmas when I, when I was a kid. Yeah, no, that's a really good example. I saw that people were complaining that there's not a big Christmas premiere movie on BBC One this year, as not? if that still matters to anyone. Mm. I mean, I know that... I know that some people can't afford DVDs, they don't go to the cinema, and, like, you know, if BBC One had Frozen on, it would be a big deal. But on the other hand, really? I mean, there's so much entertainment now that does it really matter whether the film that BBC One is showing on Christmas Day is one that they've shown in a previous year? Why don't they switch the radio on and listen to Ollie Mann on LBC on Christmas Day <laughs> That's instead? That's what all the families will be doing. Merry Christmas, everybody. We've got another Christmassy question on the phone line. My name is Richard from London, and Helen and Ollie answer me this. I have a question about Christmas etiquette. I am staying at my friend this weekend and I knew that I wasn't going to be within the facility of my advent calendar on the Saturday. So on Friday, I treated myself to the extra chocolate and when I told my friend this, the confirmation I received was quite alarming. So answer me this. Is it okay that if you know you're not going to be there on the date, you're allowed to eat your chocolate beforehand or do you have to wait till you get back to your advent calendar to backdate your chocolate eating? Bad, Richard. Of course you wait. I think this is so obvious. Extraordinary behaviour. Outrageous. Outrageous. Self-denial is the spirit of Christmas. Bloody right. As any fool knows. I mean, Absolutely. Actually, I, I've had this uh, really underlined to me actually this week because um, my girlfriend has been battling on using my old phone that is so broken that you need to wrap the, the the wire around it in a certain way to charge it and only one specific way that only she knows. Oh. Right, so it's on its last legs and she's been using that for ages because rumour is mm. Santa's bought her an iPhone 6 Plus. She must have been very good this year. <laughs> Santa has, for some reason, um, stashed that iPhone 6 Plus under my desk in my home office. Santa is uh, really wily. Uh, and yet, despite this rumour being, you know, rather strong and from good sources... Yeah, seems uh, legit. When the phone stopped working this week, like completely stopped and you couldn't charge it, or use it anymore and mm. she was worried that she might have to take her sim card and put it into a pebble to be able to use it an actual pebble not a motorola pebble <laughs> um i said look 
why don't you just have your Christmas present early? Mm. And she like looked at me like I really just said, look, why don't you just shit on it? I mean, really? Why like, don't you? Why it was don't just, you? I just ruined Christmas. She knows that I've got it for her because she asked for it. Yeah, but then you could have given it to her in October if it wasn't a proper Christmas present. Well, that's that was her feeling. So yeah. I think you know, if you feel that way about an actual six hundred pound phone, Oof. you know, a five p chocolate in a in an advent calendar, of course you can wait until the day. Discipline Absolutely. as well until the day after, or you can take yeah. your bloody advent calendar with you, Richard. It's not a heavy thing. That's true. I think although if you're going somewhere where it's going to melt, like if it's in a you know, if it's packed up with a load of clothes in a bag yeah, or something. But the chocolate's shit anyway. The so the crap. pleasure is opening the door, isn't well, it? Although I've got the Marks and Spencer Where's Wally advent calendar this yeah, year. Yeah, but you're doing very well for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a present. I don't know how much it was. I can only imagine it was triple figures. <laughs> You've got the joy on that of not only spotting Wally uh, in, in the montage of faces on the front, which you'd expect from any Where's Wally mo- merchandise, otherwise Absolutely. it's really not fulfilling its brief, uh, but also because as you open each door of the advent calendar, it gives you another task, like find the purple candy cane. Excuse me, I did not get into this for purple candy canes. I am interested only in the whereabouts of Wally. Well, <laughs> that's fair enough. You can just have the chocolate. But, you know, if you want to play the game, essentially what I'm saying is you've got 26 different games on one piece of cardboard that's packed with chocolate. How brilliant is that? Are the chocolates in Wally-related shapes? Not that I've noticed. Because a lot of them look like exciting different advent calendars on the outside and Mm. then the inside is just the same old one pound non-brand generic advent calendar format. Yeah, my suspicion is that all the Marks and Spencer advent calendars are the same inside and they position the doors on the outside in the right places. We're all just humans underneath our exteriors, (laughs) aren't we? Exactly. But the homogeneity of the insides of advent calendars is what made me prefer the uh, chocolate less ones, despite the childhood of deprivation yearning for nothing more than a chocolate (laughs) advent calendar. Now, I prefer just the pictures but last year my brother Andy uh, got me this uh, tea advent calendar where he had different sachet of tea every day oh that's nice so that's I, amazing but I took them with me Richard so that I could have them on the right day and not before the right day good because that is right and proper well here is another festive question from Tim from Seven Oaks who says on the Toys R Us ad they proudly claim to have millions of Jeffrey all under one roof there are millions of Jeffrey there are millions of Jeffrey all <laughs> under one roof that would be very problematic because Jeffrey's not pluralised there and anyway mm. it's mi- there's millions said Jeffrey there's millions of toys all under one roof that's the lyrics there's millions said Jeffrey so it's not Jeffrey like fish or sheep where the singular is the same as the plural no oh. it's, it's, it's saying Jeffrey the giraffe says there are millions of toys at Toys R Us but he says there's millions says Jeffrey, and that's not very good grammar. Oh, that's there true. are millions, says Jeffrey, yeah. all under one roof, which would be so much better. But this is a company that's called Toys R Us. I mean, where is the grammatical correctness? And also, that? is a giraffe. He wouldn't be able to speak. That's right. I mean, he's, he's doing very well. He's an absolute mess. Why is anyone quoting him at all? He's a yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, he Tim... just cleared his throat or something. <laughs> However, Tim says, I don't remember any advert that formally introduced the character of Jeffrey, who I assume is the giraffe. Yeah, you are right that he is the giraffe, yes. Tim requires a formal introduction. A formal introduction. every branded yes. character. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet Messrs. Snap, Crackle and Pop. Isn't that a secret to good environmental storytelling that you introduce the character in the context of them carrying out some action? I think with children's characters, when it's fairly obvious, there's a cartoon giraffe on screen. People yeah. are singing about someone called Jeffrey. I think kids can put two and two together. Jeffrey and giraffe begin with a J. Yeah, we so don't you need the child's cartoon equivalent of a debutante ball here. I think we can, we can guess who's Jeffrey. Or a Jeffrey biographical fact sheet. <laughs> uh, Tim says... Uh, nor do I ever recall seeing a Jeffrey themed item for sale in Toys R Us. So, Ollie, answer me this. Why did the advertisers assume this sense of familiarity with Jeffrey? And have they ever actually sold an item of Jeffrey themed merchandise 
this has bothered me for about 25 years. Well, let me take you out of your misery and say they have sold Jeffrey-themed merchandise. Ah, in your face, too. Um, <laughs> um, you can, and actually, it's very good value. Uh, I was just looking now on the website. Jeffrey is still a thing. Um, of course he is. Jeffrey never dies. And um, uh, the Christmas Jeffrey, which sounds like a sort of weird sex <laughs> sounds, practice. Sounds like a ghost story. <laughs> the Christmas, Christmas Jeffrey, Jeffrey, which is Jeffrey wearing a Christmas Santa Claus outfit. You shock me. Yeah. £4.96 from the Toys R Us website. What, what is it? A fluffy little giraffe or a plastic toy giraffe? It's a fluffy or... Jeffrey wearing a Santa Claus hood. It's so weird, isn't it, that you choose, as a child, you choose a toy who is a character that no. owns a load of toys. It's, it's no, like, it's not weird. Because then you might share. It's just but exactly the same as watching every cartoon in which the characters are designed to sell merchandise. Isn't it or, like, or like the bloody meerkat isn't thing. It, is it like the equivalent of when like you get a wish from like the, the genie and you wish for like 99 wishes? Is that what it is with Jeffrey? Because you could have all the toys you wanted. <laughs> uh, I don't think you understand, Martin. By buying an effigy of Jeffrey, it doesn't entitle you to all of the real Jeffrey's possessions. The point is, compare and contrast, under a fiver for a Christmas Jeffrey... That's Nice. £90 for the John Lewis Monty the Penguin this year. <laughs> I mean, you know. That's your fault, people, for being excited about a adverts, commercial. you absolute dicks. Exactly. And this is the thing, you know, people feel all warm and fuzzy about John Lewis. They probably think Toys R Us is, you know, an American corporation ruining toy shops. Fiverr for the Christmas Jeffrey. I mean, just, you can't complain about that. I'm just hanging out for the Sainsbury's Christmas toy soldiers. <laughs> that would be bad taste. 2014 is nearly at an end. So I need money to buy Christmas gifts for friends Last year I got them all socks and they had to pretend That I'm not a stingy bitch Well this year why not try to make some money online Build a store through squarespace.com and perhaps tap a gold mine And with the dosh you can buy everyone a crate of red wine Or milk for the kids Kids love milk Thanks very much to Squarespace for supporting this episode of Answer Me This. And if you use the code ANSWER, you can get 10% off their web building and hosting services for a whole year. And there's nothing more Christmassy than building a website at Christmas. You can drag and drop photos. You can see your website improve as you edit it. And you that's, can... Im- that's Squarespace 7 for you. And you can import content from WordPress and Blogger as well. So if you've got a oh. shit website somewhere else, you can bring it over I to Squarespace. I have got a shit website somewhere else. Then Our you web- are the ideal customer. Here's a question from Sam from Kent who says... A few months ago, I joined a Roller Derby Fresh Meat League. Fresh Meat League? I think she means she was a fresher and they joined a Roller Derby. Yeah, I can't imagine that they actually have tributes to the TV sitcom Fresh Meat in the form of Roller Derby. Unless it was like a meat ruffle, but you had to compete for it by Roller Derby. Yeah. It, for all very plausible scenarios, fresh meat themed roller derby or meat raffle derby. Well, actually, I had a pair when I was a kid of um, real Ghostbusters themed roller skates. You were pretty oh, cool, weren't you? That's amazing. And actually, that you know, when you think about it, there's no obvious connection between uh, the real Ghostbusters, the animated spin-off of the classic comedy film, and roller skating. I bet beautiful receptionist Janine from Ghostbusters will wear roller mm. skates and travel to yes. work on them. Also, very popular form of exercise in those days that Janine and Rick Moranis might have partaken in together and also if their car had broken down then they might have had to skate to a ghost busting event yeah and the problem was it, it never left my back garden in Stanmore because uh, my mum said I can't leave the back garden because it's too dangerous yeah that was like me and my bike I wasn't allowed out the road you weren't no so out the road so still on the road yeah, but, but just still, your road. Once you freewheel down the road over the speed bumps yeah. a million times yeah. it's really lost its sheen you could do a wheelie over the speed bumps but I wasn't allowed out my back garden 
and mm. we had a lot of cracked paving stones so I did fall over more than I would have on a, on a straight bit of concrete but that's, right. the, that's the thing with cycling and roller skating and ice skating as well you've got to get some momentum up it's really difficult if you're just hovering around the edges mm. it's, that's hard I think maybe what uh, our parents realised is that Jewish children don't belong on wheels <laughs> <laughs> uh, well anyway Sam continues joining the roller derby is one of the best things I've ever done it has taken me months of hard work physically exhausting training and hours and hours of falling over but I have finally been invited to try out for one of the coveted spots on the league's A squad. I was over the moon. However, Sam continues, a couple of weeks ago, I was casually chatting about roller derby with a friend and she said she'd always quite fancied having a go. I suggested she come out for a tryout session with the newbies, assuming that she'd have the skating ability of a giraffe on ice. Unfortunately, She's a bloody roller genius. Hoist on your own petard. And will now be going up against me for one of the sought-after positions on the A-Squad, despite only having been on skates for about three seconds. This is like an American teen movie, isn't it? Yes, it is. You've got a great setup here for what now could be a 48-part series on uh, Netflix. Well, this, this is the film Whip It, isn't it? It is, pretty much. Which film? Whip It. Whip It. I thought you said Wicked. American teenage girls try out for a cricket league. It's a film about a whippet. Worst of all, continues Sam, my friend is a huge prick about this. Oh, okay. Otherwise, I didn't really think you had the right to be annoyed at your friend turning out to be good at something. That's not her fault, but her being a prick is her fault. Uh, My friend swaggers about boasting about how quickly she was called for tryouts when Mm. I spent months of hard work and effort training for it. Well, you idiot, Sam. You should have just picked it up two weeks ago. Yeah. Your fault. So, Helen, answer me this. How do I tell her to F off and find her own damn team? Especially as it was my idea she tried it in the first place. I don't think that gives you the right to remove the roller derby from her. Just because you introduced her to it doesn't mean you can you can shut her out again. Yeah, I, what I'm getting from you, Sam, is a lot of anger about your own lack of ability so in the roller derby. So much bitterness. Derby. Maybe you need to find something your friend likes and be better at it than her. I think what's mm. happened is your friend has highlighted your physical inability, the fact that you took three months to even be able to stand up on roller skates. And because you felt that that was an accomplishment and you felt proud of yourself, yep. she's now highlighted that actually you're below average. And that is your problem. Yes. You know, you should still be proud of yourself that you've managed to achieve. Yes. You shouldn't be upset that other people are more athletic than you. They will be. There's the Olympics in the world. But obviously, if one of your friends, Ollie, started a podcast and in a couple of weeks, rather than the eight years it's taken you, mm. amassed a huge audience and was very popular, more popular than you, yeah. you'd probably be quite pissed off and maybe you would have them whacked rather than thinking, well, that's nice for them and it doesn't affect me, not, which not is whacked. the rational thought. Not whack so much as, uh, you know, send them a message. What message? Make them an offer they can't refuse. <laughs> but if you taught them how to podcast, mm. you couldn't then say, but you can't do it now because you're no, better at it. No, but you, that's a really interesting point. I wouldn't, but the, the great thing you could argue about the world of podcasts is we are a complementary medium. You know, It's uh, not linear. There's it, room for all the podcasts. Exactly. Mm. Listening to us is not stopping people from listening to chris evans on radio 2 well they could be doing that right now but they're listening to this that's true but they can equally listen to that on iplayer or they can listen to the breakfast show and then listen to us at another time they could they could schedule it they they? don't cancel each other out but in the world of roller derby i mean there is a point there which is is competitive there are only so many places on the team it is not a complimentary medium so on that point maybe maybe you are you know there is some legitimacy to be a little bit annoyed if she gets a place and you don't yes but you define the rules of the game you don't have to play by those rules if you just enjoy it for the pleasure of roller derbying then Mm. 
Yeah, don't don't, Martin, don't, don't you're competition. It's not a pleasure cruise. Roller derby is fierce <laughs> and competitive, and you're supposed to <laughs> roll the shit out of each well, other. Well, it doesn't sound very nice to me. I wouldn't get involved well, in that. Yeah, but it's not well, your scene. Just go for a nice roller roller. Although skate. Martin on roller skates, I think, would probably be our most successful YouTube <laughs> I'm, video. I'm pretty good actually. I'm not yeah. a bad roller skater. Really? Yeah, I'm alright. When was the last time you did it? I was about fourteen. Right. <laughs> really contemporary information then. Let's not forget Austwick's first law. If it can be fallen over, Martin will <laughs> fall over it. Well, much as you might like Martin for this game to be a little bit more genial, a little bit more good-natured, I think we can tell uh, from Sam's second question to Helen that it is anything but. She says, Helen, answer me this. Would it be bad form to break her legs on track? Yes, it's not her fault she's better than you. No. She might be behaving like a prat, but so are you at mm. this point. Also, you might both get on the team. I was going to say that. Would you still You're be better You're assuming it's her? either or. Mm. You might both be good enough to be on the team and then that would be amazing. You'd train someone up to be slightly better. Yes. Imagine how that would feel, having that person as a comrade on the team without wanting to disable them brutally. Yes. Also, you ending her being good at this won't actually make you better. Mm. Mm. Why don't you focus your anger on a member of the opposing team? The anger against your own kind will tear you apart, Sam. You're right, actually. Yeah, yeah. You need to master your rage, your rage will become your master. Yeah, what was yeah. the, what was use the that. Use that feeling and use it in the game. What was the Mandela quotation? Something like, um, jealousy is like drinking a cup of poison and expecting it to kill someone else. Although sometimes I can relate to this idea of, you know, ooh, what would happen if I did this violent thing? As a child, I used to think a bit about that. You were a frightening little boy. I once threw a football at a middle-aged woman just to what? see what would happen. What is wrong what? with you it was a specific middle-aged woman oh that's fine yeah. then God, she, it wasn't random violence she deserved it she, that no bitch. she didn't she didn't she, she died of cancer five years later she was anything but deserving of was it was it football cancer uh, no it wasn't she came to visit did you give her the cancer with your mind stop it uh, she used to live next door my parents mm -hmm. and my parents invited her and her boyfriend over for a drink which as far as I remember looking back on it was the only time this ever happened and I suppose it was an attempt to try and get to know the neighbours even though it had been a few years too many and it was yeah. leaving a bit late and they came round to look around the garden and they were just being so polite. They were all being so polite and middle class and like they'd poured them a glass of wine and they were looking at the flowers and offering compliments. Arseholes. And I was you just wanted to throw a live hand grenade into that social situation. I was standing at the end of the garden being like, stop being so pretending everything's like happy and fun. You know, we've got problems too. And I picked up a football and chucked it at the neighbour's back. <laughs> you I don't know why yes. I did it. You little Such bundle a, of darkness. You're a real, you're a real psychopath. And, and then obviously I pretended it was a mistake, but uh, I think the neighbour knew that I'd done it on purpose. Did you manage to actually hit her with the football? Yeah. But that, that is probably your greatest sporting achievement. <laughs> Between the shoulders. Well, that's it for this episode of Answer Me This. But wipe away your tears. Oh, yes. Because as imminently as in seven days' time... Seven days, not 14. Ooh. No. Seven. Uh, Start your Answer Me This advent calendars now. We will be along with the best of Answer Me This 2014. But if you want to create great Answer Me This in 2015, we need your questions. So please send them via email, phone and Skype. And if you need your memory jogged for our contact details, go to our website. Answermethispodcast.com And do remember to check our website during Christmas week itself uh, because we'll be putting up links to the shows that we're doing over Christmas as well, other podcasts that we're on and things. And also you're on on some quite hospitable hours to humans that like to be awake at proper times to be awake, aren't I you? I am. Partly as a Christmas treat for me, partly because no one in their right mind 
minds would want to present a radio show on Christmas Day. Uh, LBC are giving me some quite decent time slots over Christmas, so I'm on on Christmas Day and New Year's Day in the actual afternoon. Well then, Ooh. not um, the fake afternoon that's at one in the morning. <laughs> exactly, real <laughs> afternoon when people can hear me. Uh, and also, uh, it, all over the Christmas period, I'm, I'm dotted around the schedule in the early evenings and the late evenings and things rather than overnight. So all you of those details on our website him. as well. Yes, yeah. that's right. We'll put a list up of times you can catch Ollie Man when you need to drown out your family arguing <laughs> by cranking up the speech radio. So join us again next week for the best of. No need to wait two weeks, just one week to go. Ooh. It's the answer to me this equivalent of eating all your advent chocolates at once. Well, we just slagged him off for eating them too soon and but not But we waiting. can all relate to the fantasy. Martin can't. Martin never opens his advent chocolates. You're, you're inhuman in the opposite way, Martin. I save up a month of chocolates and them wrong, on one day. wrong. You can just buy wonderful. chocolates, you weirdo. It's so good. And thanks very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. Bye! Bye.